Hello and welcome to the podcast of tech.eu, which is probably the only tech business podcast this week that will not talk about GameStop. I am your host, Andrew Degler, and in today's show we will talk about some of the most interesting funding rounds of this week and also a couple of M&A deals. Later on, Robin Wouters will take over to talk to Nalin Patel, the EMEA private data analyst at PitchBook Data. And recently, PitchBook has released a big report on the European startup ecosystem, so there is a whole lot to unpack there. Stay tuned for that one. And speaking of staying tuned, by the way, this week I gave in and uh, finally registered on Clubhouse, which actually sounds like a good platform for some more, let's say, spontaneous or interactive conversations on our favorite topic of European tech. So if you are also there, uh, do follow me at adegler, same thing as my Twitter handle, and let us figure it out together. And now it is time for this week's news stories. Finnish delivery juggernaut Volt has raised 530 million US dollars in fresh funding, which takes the total amount it has attracted so far to 856 million US dollars. That's a lot. The seven-year-old company currently operates in 23 countries and 129 cities and partners with over 30,000 restaurants. The company started as a takeaway food delivery player, uh, which works with restaurants, but at the same time, it is now expanding into more verticals, which is also why it needs much more money to throw into the gross furnace. It's already working with grocery deliveries, and it is aiming at becoming a universal delivery app in the future. So basically, it could be used for anything that you can order online. German enterprise software giant SAP has acquired a smaller German enterprise software player called Signavio. I hope I pronounced it correctly. Earlier this week, Bloomberg reported that the deal would value Signavio at about 1 billion euros, but there was no official confirmation of the amount at this point. Quoting from the same Bloomberg report, uh, Signavio makes web-based business process management software that companies use to keep track of workflows in their data operations. All of Signavio's founders worked at SAP at one point, and the startup is an SAP business partner, which means that the two companies' software platforms can be connected to work together. The quote ends. The list of big customers of Signavio includes not only SAP itself, but also the likes of Deloitte, Liberty Mutual Insurance, NBC Universal, and much more. Polish uh, parcel locker company InPost went public in Amsterdam this week and its shares soared right away. Uh, its shareholders raised 2.8 billion euros, which made it Europe's largest IPO since 2018. The share price popped about 20% on the first day of trading, uh, valuing the company at 9.5 billion euros. Uh, parcel lockers aren't something that's very popular in the Netherlands where I live, but it looks like people like them a lot more in Poland where InPost is from. People buying stuff online can arrange that their package is delivered to one of the thousands of in-post lockers and then collect it at their convenience. At the moment, InPost is also rolling out its machines in the UK and is considering entering more markets, including France, Spain, and Italy. Next up, Twitter has acquired newsletter platform Review that is based in the Dutch city of Utrecht. The financial details of the deal have not been disclosed, but we know that Review has kept things on the very lean side since it was founded in 2015. Namely, the startup has only raised 400,000 euros in funding and kept a very minimalist team of six people. That is a stark contrast with another popular newsletter platform that's called Substack, which is located in California, and the American store 
Florida was founded in 2017. It also has a pretty small team, but at the same time, it has attracted more than $17 million in funding so far. Both platforms are particularly popular among the startup and VC crowds, uh, both in Europe and in the US. So after the deal is closed, uh, Review will retain its brand and remain a standalone service, at least for now. Its paid features that used to be locked in the pro tier are going to become free for all users, which basically means that you will be able to email a lot of people for free. And in addition to that, the commission that service takes from paid newsletters goes down from 6% to 5%. And in case you're wondering, Substack takes 10%. Twitter said in a blog post that it is imagining a lot of ways to connect writers and readers, from allowing people to sign up for newsletters from their favorite followers on Twitter, to new settings for writers to host conversations with their subscribers. It has also promised to work on monetization solutions for long-form content creators. And by the way, as an aside, Twitter has reportedly also tried to buy Substack, and that was back in November last year. That deal didn't materialize, evidently, and uh, at the same time, uh, Substack founder Hamish McKenzie tweeted <laughs> uh, that the deal was, I quote, not going to happen. So now Twitter has its tentacles in the audio space with Twitter Spaces, similar to Clubhouse, but this one I haven't tried yet, and also in long-form writing and newsletters. The big question remains whether it will be able to make good use of what it's got, which I have to say it's not exactly famous for. But okay, that's it for some of the biggest headlines of this week, and now we can move on to the featured interview of this episode. Brace yourselves for a conversation between our own Robin Wouters and Nalin Patel, the EMEA private capital analyst at PitchBook Data. Hey, this is Robin Wouters from Tech.eu, and I'm joined here remotely, of course, from London uh, by Nalin Patel. He is an analyst at PitchBook who looks into private capital in the EMEA region. Nalin, thank you so much for joining. Uh, thank you for having me. Uh, we are going to discuss a new report that just came out uh, on European venture. Surprise, surprise, European venture is doing well and growing. Uh, but of course, you can tell us a lot more about that. Uh, maybe before we start, can you give us a little bit of an introduction on who you are and what Pitchbook is? Yeah, sure. So uh, I am uh, Pitchbook's kind of dedicated uh, European venture analyst, generally covering private capital in Europe. So I look at the European kind of venture ecosystem, uh, release quarterly reports uh, on behalf of PitchBook, um, looking at the ecosystem uh, on the whole, looking at kind of fundraising deals and exits. Um, I joined PitchBook in 2019. Uh, before that, I was at Goldman Sachs for just over three years. Um, so I've been with PitchBook for, for nearly two years now. Um, and generally what we do at PitchBook is we, we basically are a financial information and data provider. Um, so we track you know, VC and P fundraising, uh, all the way through to kind of angel and seed deals, um, and then on to kind of late stage deals, and then subsequent exits for companies um, in the private capital markets. Uh, we also kind of um, look at M&A transactions. So it's a, it's a general kind of you know data platform that investors can use to make you know, better informed decisions. Great. Makes sense. Uh, well, thanks again for joining. Obviously, at TechEU, we also keep track of uh, European innovation ecosystem. We put out regular reports you know, based on sectors, uh, the quarterly numbers we stopped doing. Uh, but in general, we try to keep track. And of course, in the last seven years that we've been around, there's been nothing but growth. There are problems, and there's a lot to talk about the negative aspects of the ecosystems. But what you can say is that the venture funding and the exits, for that matter, are not increasing in size and becoming bigger uh, as the years go by. Uh, what's your take on that based on the report that you just released? 
Yeah, so the report we just released, um, kind of looking at an annual kind of view to 2020 uh, in terms of the European venture ecosystem. Uh, so we generally break it out by kind of deals, exits, fundraising, and we would have kind of a spotlight and then uh, a kind of a aspect on a, a corporate venture capital. Um, so generally speaking, what we saw uh, in the year was, was really, really positive. Um, as you just mentioned, in terms of venture capital in Europe, VC deal value, which is essentially capital invested into startups, uh, remained aloft in 2020. It set a new record, uh, which is quite astonishing considering you know COVID-19 and the kind of macroeconomic uh, impact uh, it's had on economies. Um, and it reached around about 40, 42 billion. So yeah, a, a record year, beat 2019's record year. Euros or dollars? Euros. Yeah, in euros, yeah. So it was really a strong year in terms of general just capital being invested into startups. There was a new record in terms of CVC participation in deals as well. Um, that was around about 19.4 billion, um, again, beating 2019's record. Um, so really showing that you know corporate venture arms are really keen to invest in startups. Exit value really kind of carried momentum throughout the year. So Q1, it was relatively quiet, I think, um, yeah, we're still kind of seeing the effects of kind of 20 poor, poor exits in 2019 and the start of 2020 was pretty quiet in terms of exit value, but momentum was carried on throughout the year. And despite kind of volatility in the market, I think it rose around 13%, 13.9% to 18.6 billion. Um, so really strong year and, and Q4 was one of the strongest you know, on record um, and it closed at around 7.6 billion uh, in terms of value in Q4. So exit's really strong. And then finally, in, in terms of fundraising, it was another record year. GPs and LPs kind of really shrugged off any concerns from COVID-19 and they raised a record amount. There's approximately 19.6 billion raised in European-based uh, funds, yeah, another record. And just kind of all of these kind of aspects and metrics really illustrate that it was a very strong year for venture. Um, despite COVID-19, despite recessions, uh, you know, broadly speaking, uh, ventures in pretty good shape heading into 2021. Well, records broken all around, rainbows and sunshine. <laughs> anything, <laughs> yeah, on, on a broad level. <laughs> anything negative that you uh, or some sort of problematic that you can see going forward uh, when you did the research? Um, so in terms of challenges and I guess things, yeah, heading into 2021, I would say that you know, valuations didn't really see, you know, the, the cooling effects of, of the other asset classes may have seen during 2020. Um, you know, recessions and job cuts, they're kind of widespread at the moment across the globe. And, you know, other asset classes, you know, have kind of reflected that public equities have been relatively volatile in 2020. Uh, they recovered somewhat in the kind of middle of the year during the summer months. But, you know, they've also kind of, you know, fluctuated. But in terms of, you know, VC valuations, they haven't really shown a cooling effect. They've just continued on strongly. So, you know, there were, you know, murmurs of, you know, markets being overheated at the start of 2020. Um, and, and they have probably sustained during, you know, 2020 and into 2021, just because we haven't seen that cooling effect take place within the market yet. So, you know, valuations are still high. Uh, round sizes are still enormous. So, you know, that could still take place in 2021. Um, and then the other kind of yeah challenge or well, not necessarily negative impact is is that we've seen obviously pandemic induced innovations really you know you know demonstrate massive growth in 2020 a lot of you know, cybersecurity startups e-commerce a lot of a lot of things have shifted to kind of digital uh, kind of tech and like you know, accelerated trends and VC is very much geared towards that kind of area of the economy so as we kind of return to kind of a bit of normality as vaccines are kind of administered. Uh, you know, we could see some of those trends or the growth in those trends 
you know, decline a bit or slow down as kind of other traditional sectors um, that have been, you know, relatively hard hit, such as you know, tourism and things like that kind of pick up in uh, later in 2021. Great. Um, and, and speaking about sectors, uh, you know, we, we monitor a lot of money flowing to the usuals, like fintech sector, uh, health tech, uh, enterprise, SaaS software keep, keeps on going strong. Uh, is that also something that you've noticed when you broke down sort of by sector or is there any industry that stands out for uh, for you? Yeah, I think I think in terms of sector split, I think the, the pandemic has really, really highlighted how important, you know, which sector you operate in can dictate how you perform and how VC kind of surrounds you and, and um, how you know capable you're of getting investment, but also demonstrating growth. You mentioned fintech. Yeah, that's definitely an area which has seen a lot of investment, uh, particularly in Europe um, and in the UK as well. Got kind of a number of, you know, fintech, major fintech companies such as like Revolut, Klarna, N26, Monzo, um, who have you know swelled into enormous kind of valuations in recent years, closing enormous rounds. Um, other areas that we've seen uh, have been um, cybersecurity has been one. There was also a, a, a deal for well, a substantial deal and growth for a startup called Hopin, uh, which is kind of a London-based online uh, events platform. Um, and obviously, because of COVID nineteen, you know, events have had to shift online. You know, we're doing this interview or this podcast, you know, remotely. We're not in in our office or anything like that. Meeting up, um, you know, conferences have had to shift online as well. Um, and Hopin basically catered to that market, um, and they were able to, you know, increase their valuation to about two billion uh, within the year. They closed three rounds. Um, they grew their employee numbers from about twenty to in excess of two hundred. Um, so really, really strong growth in you know a few months. They're only founded in 2019. So that is, you know, uh, demonstrating um, you know how startups in, in a particular niche sector can um, yeah. really capitalize on growth. Yeah, Hopkins is crazy company growth, and also yeah. sort of highlights how Europe has changed because that kind of story, you know, going from from being founded in 2019 to two billion valuation two years, that was absolutely unheard of uh, when I started researching this. You know, ten. 10 years ago. Um, so a lot has changed. Um, the question is, of course, will they set an example that, you know, other companies in Europe uh, might be able to follow? Or was it the pandemic that basically gave them such a boost that will never be, you know, repeated again? Yeah, that is probably the million or billion dollar question, I guess. Um, it, it's difficult to say at the moment. I think, that the, you know, it's been, it's perfect timing really for them in terms of, you know, everyone shifting to working from home and then all of a sudden this huge demand is created for products and services, not just them, but anyone who's providing remote cloud services. Um, so I think that the rapid growth, you know, is definitely exacerbated because of the pandemic. Um, and it will be sustainable. It will be it will be tricky to sustain that as as things kind of go back. Because I think, you know, me and you and individuals and, and workforces, we do kind of probably miss the interaction. And people want to get back into offices one day. And I think people will want to go to conferences and, and meet people face to face. And that may result in maybe adoption of, of these remote platforms, you know, decreasing and you know, hotel, you know, usage, conference spaces, you know, restaurants bars, they may see an uptick in, in usage from people that are looking to kind of get back to normal um, and get get back to kind of, you know, going into an office, going to conferences internationally, meeting people, networking kind of in a more natural way. Well, there might be, of course, a new normal where everything is hybrid. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Virtual events and offline events, we'll see. Uh, yeah. But it's going to be a changed world either way. So it's difficult to predict what it will look like. Um, now, in terms of geography, um, is it still UK, France, Germany, uh, Sweden sort of leading the pack and everyone else follows? Or have you seen anything 
uh, you know, particular about about the spread of investments across Europe? Yeah, um, so I would yeah agree with that. The general big kind of heavy hitters in terms of regions. So in the report, we kind of split it out in terms of the UK and Ireland. We group France, Benelux uh, together, and we so group the dark region together uh, as well as the Nordic region. So those kind of comprise our main risky, risky. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Nordics are, Nordics are separate to, to the dark region, but yeah, the, the, those are the kind of our main areas that we cover. So. Uh, yeah, in terms of general VC flows, we haven't really seen much of a difference in terms of, you know, trends because of COVID-19. Um, the UK itself, you know, we combine it with Ireland, but that, that's generally the largest ecosystem in, in Europe. Uh, I think £14.3 was invested in startups into, in, in that region. Uh, what's interesting in 2020 was, though, that the, the dark region actually provided the most exit value. Um, and they did the same thing in, in 2019 as well. So that really shows that you know, liquidity is is readily available in the ecosystem, and it shows that it is developing strongly alongside the UK as well as France and Benelux. So there are now multiple ecosystems in Europe. It's not just a case of you know the UK, Germany, and France who are contributing to to large rounds, large exits, large fundraising. There's definitely other nations contributing to that, um, and we also include Israel in our European venture report um, as well. Um, and that's a, a country that's seen tremendous growth, growth in recent years. Um, large exits such as you know Waze being acquired by Google have really raised awareness for the, for the nation and got a strong kind of entrepreneurial uh, spirit and, and strong like kind of tech US tech ties there as well tech ties there as well. Um, so that's really helped investment into that region as well. Um, we've seen the numbers actually reflect that. So I think in the last few years, in excess of 1 billion has actually been raised by VC funds based in, in Israel. Um, that wasn't the case, you know, uh, several years ago. And we're now seeing a lot more capital flow in, not just to the startups, but the actual fund managers based in the, in the country. Um, and that's obviously just going to impact and increase the capital flowing into, into Israel moving forward. Yeah. Um, let's uh, talk a little bit more about exits. We're 21 days into 2021 when we're recording this podcast, and the number <laughs> of potential IPOs or, or people actually, you know, companies actually saying, confirming that they're they're about to float or that they're at least you know talking to investment bank to to get a flotation uh, going is insane. It's TransferWise, Dark Craze, Klarna, TrueCaller, you name it. So, will it be the year of uh, European tech IPOs finally? Um, it, it may well be. It may well be. Um, it, I think during 2020, we really saw how, and we observed it very closely, and we saw that market conditions can really, really quickly influence exits in the VC ecosystem. And, and that can then create kind of the, I guess, like turn the wheel and like start the kind of cogs for like everyone else to kind of trigger an exit. We've got multiple fintech companies uh, in the ecosystem, you mentioned a few there. They've been, you know, just raising capital for fun uh, in the ecosystem, so they could finally exit in 2021. Um, I think the strength of, you know, existing listings as well in 2020 have probably given confidence to to, to people as well. There are a number of farmer and biotech exits in in 2020, and I think they benefited from, you know, concentration being fixated on, on COVID 19 and farm and biotech startups. You know, probably being the only companies in in, in the middle of 2020s to exit, and they really benefited from that. Um, companies such as Compass Pathways, Freeline, Nanox, uh, CureVac as well, who are working on a COVID vaccine. They all kind of IPO'd and they did relatively well in 2020. So we definitely could be seeing more IPOs in 2021. Overall, I think there were 50 IPOs in, in 2020, so actually more than 20, 2019. I think there was just 
around about 46 in 2019. So a slight uptick in terms of numbers. So I think we could definitely be seeing um, some IPOs. Um, it may not necessarily just be European companies either. I think if we see US, you know, US VC back companies that operate in similar sector sectors to the ones that Euro- the European based ones are, then we could definitely see our IPOs of, of European based companies uh, take place in 2021. Yeah, it's definitely been like I have to say it's been a bit surprising for me because we've been tracking sort of the late stage um, funding rounds for European tech companies, and because there is so much capital available and there is so much capital actually going into these growth rounds, I would have expected them to be stay private a bit longer and just sort of you know wait out the, the pandemic. But on the other side, you know the stock market hasn't been performing uh, that badly uh, throughout the, the pandemic, um, so I guess it's it's also a question of market sentiment and timing. Yeah, exactly. I think I think as you mentioned there, I think the access to capital and especially late stage capital is, is probably really important for these startups. I don't think that any of them would have remained in the ecosystem as long as they have if they were around maybe five or ten years ago. Just because even non traditional capital, so like CVC company, CVC arms, PE firms, pension funds, sovereign wealth funds, hedge funds. Uh, all these different kind of entities and individuals, even wealthy tech entrepreneurs who may have founded their, you know, tech company uh, 20 years ago, they may have exited it, and now they're billionaires. They're now investing in the new batch of startups. So there's a lot of uh, opportunities for them to seek out capital, and especially at the late stage, where you know if they're not able to seek out that late stage capital, they're just going to exit previously. Um, and we're now seeing a lot more unicorns in the ecosystem as a result, and they're just raising you know 500 million. Euro plus rounds. Uh, I think Klarna, Deliveroo, uh, N26, Northvolt, um, multiple entities in, in 2020 raised 500 million plus rounds, whereas I think there were only two in 2019. So we're definitely seeing those enormous rounds you know, take place with uh, increased frequency. Yeah, definitely a trend. Um, yeah. We joined Pitchbook in 2019, uh, just Correct. in time. For the, for the pandemic to sort of hit. When you were analyzing sort of on a quarterly basis and, you know, we're March 2020, uh, this pandemic hit, we could sort of see, okay, this is going to disrupt the entire market and economies across the world. Were you expecting venture funding to actually go down, whether it be one quarter or two or the rest of the year? But were you sort of in, in a slight, not panicky mode, because you don't have a, a stake in the game, but were you sort of expecting... Um, the numbers to go down rather than hit record numbers as it did. Uh, yeah, uh, definitely. I think I think the whole the whole market was probably expecting that. Um, we we kind of published our, our reports on a quarterly basis, and um, you know we generally expected trends to play out you know very differently during 2020. Um, as soon as we kind of were able to kind of establish in, in around about Q2 um, how the market was behaving, we actually kind of were quite surprised then uh, and not necessarily too surprised now because the pace hasn't relented during 2020. So there was no real, like broadly speaking, there was no real dip in terms of, you know, deals occurring um, and funds closing. Um, Exits started 2020 slowly, but we think that was more down to just general market sentiment rather than COVID-19. Um, and, and obviously COVID-19 probably did have an impact in, in Q2 on that as well. But the resurgence in exits in Q3, Q4 kind of, you know, offset that anyway. But I think, generally speaking, we expected probably valuations to cool on a, on a broad level um, and, and deals to maybe, you know, reduce in terms of quantity and size. But it just shows that the, the capital availability has been there generally for the whole ecosystem. 
there have been reports of um, you know haircuts and, and valuations you know being cut slightly, layoffs, uh, things like that, and and, and startups potentially uh, folding. But on a broad kind of level, in terms of the whole ecosystem, I think we were generally su- surprised. Um, kind of in in the middle of last year, um, as you know, lockdowns had kind of finalized and kind of things were reopening last summer. I think a lot of people thought, okay, the data and the, you know, activity, not just in VC, but PE, M&A is going to show real declines because economies were essentially shut. Um, you know, lockdowns resulted, I think in the UK, you know, economic growth was cut by 20%, which is just enormous. It was a record, record amount, of, you know, disruption to the economy that's never been, been heard before is, um, you know, statistics are just being thrown at you from every different angle. But for, to see VC really show a lot of pandemic resilience and, and you know, the yeah. startups did, did should demonstrate a lot of, you know, pandemic proofness um, was, was good to see and refreshing to see and quite positive and nice to see um, considering yeah. all the things happening in, in 2020. Absolutely. And definitely agree with you. I'm glad I'm not the only one who was uh, surprised yeah. by the sheer amount of resilience shown. Uh, but I have to say, when we started analyzing the figures, uh, we haven't done it for the full year yet, as you have. But uh, when we looked at the figures for second and third quarter, what we did see is a slowdown in early stage funding. And I mean, like seed to series A was definitely there was some, you know, I'm not going to say a, a freeze of investments because that definitely didn't occur. But there was a slight slowdown, I think, in the number and also the, the the time it took these companies to raise the rounds, you know, got extended by a few months because a lot of the sort of the smaller investors and the small angel investors were sort of more hedging their bets rather than the, the big VCs and the, the late stage investors. Uh, is that something you always also saw in the data? Yeah, so 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 when we kind of were speaking with with uh, stakeholders in the ecosystem around about that time, I think you know there was a lot of kind of talk around you know the shift in terms of how we're going to conduct due diligence. So we saw um, a lot of VC managers, you know, going you know all the way to remote and being like, well, it's not too much of a disruption. I think uh, we kind of felt that there'd potentially be a focus more inwards on existing portfolio companies and investments, mainly because that's the existing risk for VC fund managers. They need to ensure their portfolio are healthy and, and surviving and weathering the storm that lockdowns have created. Um, so I think that there probably was a bit of a kind of a shift in focus back then during those few months. Um, and maybe first time, you know, rounds weren't necessarily getting the attention that they had before. But I think once kind of we settled into the rhythm of what the pandemic threats were and how working from home was going to work, how due diligence, video conferencing, meetings were going to work, how investors weren't going to be able to go to a startup office and kind of get the energy of a startup. They're going to have to kind of gauge it via video calls, um, indirect kind of meetings rather than face-to-face meetings. Once that was kind of all established and people understood kind of, you know, different processes and they're kind of at settled on that, we did see kind of an increase in like broader speaking, like investment as well. Overall, in terms of the entire year, first time financings were around about 3.1 billion, which is actually the same as 2018 and 2019, according to the data we have. So over, over the course of the year, there wasn't really a, a decline in, in capital being invested in new startups. I think that was also probably a factor that was pandemic-induced um, opportunities. So for example, uh, you know, hop in, and then there were also kind of other startups that maybe were looking at healthcare, pharma and biotech, um, you know, remote working. Um, everyone, you know, has kind of probably mentioned Zoom in 2020 about, you know, obviously that's a bit separate from the European VC ecosystem, but Zoom share price rocketed um, as video conferences kind of picked up in 2020. And I think that has kind of typified and illustrates how 
investment in in VC had, had also kind of gone. I think the pandemic uh, kind of proof startups and ones that had been created or, or, or seen rapid growth um, also got significant backing um, in 2020. Interesting. So when you did this type of research, and I know this from experience, you, you sort of sometimes you just fill in the blanks. You, you know that there's you know this number of funding rounds. You just do the tally and you compare it to the previous years or quarters, whatever you want to do. But then always when you do the research, there's something that surprises you completely, and that sort of takes you uh, takes you aback. Uh, what was it for you when you were doing the research on 2020 in Europe? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it was a single thing. I think I was just generally surprised in terms of the overall strength. It seemed like, you know, records were just being broken left, right and centre. If it wasn't overall deal value, it was deal value in a particular region. And if it wasn't deal value in a particular region, it was, uh, you know, the number of, you know, the amount of capital that non-traditional investors had, had put into startups. So I think... What really surprised me was kind of the appetite uh, for VC and I guess more the resilience as well, because I think I, I mentioned it before, but VC is very obviously heavy, heavily geared towards technology. Um, and I think for it to not, you know, overall exhibit too much stress or duress because of COVID-19 was probably the most surprising thing. Everyone has pretty much been affected by COVID-19. Uh, you know, every company has, but some have been able to kind of ride a wave of growth. And I think that that has really kind of dragged VC along during the year. So I think that, that was probably the the most surprising thing and, and probably not seeing too much of a dip uh, as well in, in, in those middle months or, you know, Q2 of 2020. Um, looking at the whole year, as you said, you can kind of count the numbers and you can say, okay, well, it's a record year, but to not have that, you know, dip occur and for things to actually increase in those middle part, in the middle part of the year was again, just really, really surprising um, and quite, you know, refreshing to see considering kind of all the bad news that was, was you know, ha- was taking place in 2020 and continues to kind of take place as we're in lockdown, you know, 3.0 in, in, uh, in the UK. Yeah, super interesting. Um, yeah. What, what was the total number of private capital that went to startups according to Pitchbook in 2020? Yeah, so it's 42.8 billion invested into startups in 2020. So that's almost 43 billion euros that went to startups in 2020. Do you yeah. want to make an educated guess on what the total number will be for this year? Oh, that is a very good question. So, uh, because it's a, sorry to jump in there, because we already are off to an amazing start. Like the last three weeks, just in January after the holiday, have just been insane. Yeah, so I, I I'm going to put my neck out on the line. I'm going to you know I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to predict it and be bold. I'm going to say that a new record will will be set quite easily in terms of kind of overall deal value invested in startups in Europe. Um, it increased by about 14.8 percent uh, from 2019 to 2020. So I'm going to probably go for uh, it's going to beat 50 billion. I think for the first time ever, we will we will potentially see more than 50 billion uh, invested into European oh, wow. uh, startups. Well, that is a bold <laughs> prediction. It is a bold prediction. It is a bold prediction. I mean, you know, <laughs> I think at the moment, looking at the chart, um, I think I think that's in, within within reason. Um, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, um, I'm going to your calendar invite right out of this recording for 20 January 22. <laughs> no, we'll yeah. We'll see I just came well. up with that as well. I just came up with that. So, um yeah, <laughs> may have to revisit it at a later date. <laughs> but thanks for doing it anyway. Um, yeah. Where can people download the report? 
on our website. So if you just go into pitchbook.com, they're a dedicated report and news analysis page, and it's there. Um, it's also available to our clients uh, through our platform. Um, but yeah, it's uh, readily available and free for anyone to download and have a look at. They're released every quarter, but the annual report kind of takes a, a year-on-year look at look at the look at the data. Yeah, well, I really like the the Pitchbook report, so I'll definitely uh, check it out once it's out there as well. Nalin, thank you so much for your time and and you know clarifying sort of the numbers uh, that you uh, discovered during your research. Uh, best of luck with the launch of the report. Have a great lockdown in the UK. All right, thank you very much. And this is it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you like the show, do subscribe today wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if that place has a possibility to rate and review the show, please do that as well. Audio engineering for this podcast is done by SoundPulse, that is sound-pulse.com. Your questions, suggestions, and opinions are very welcome. Send them all to podcast at tech.eu. Also, there is always our voicemail inbox at tech.eu slash voicemail. Head over there, speak your mind, and get featured on one of our next episodes, tech.eu slash voicemail. We are always happy to hear from you, seriously. This was Tech.eu Podcast. I am Andre Degler, and I will talk to you again next week. For now, take care and enjoy the weekend. Bye-bye.